Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. I'm I'm just um, cleansing my space a little bit. Good, because we got a lot of scares today. E- I have zero announcements. Oh. Just getting right to it. Oh, that feels so awkward. Mm-hmm. I well, like it. This, this is like the fastest we're going to get into stories. Just fast get in just there. Just right in there. Two just stories. Jam uh, it in. I'm <laughs> just going to jam them in. Jam them in. Uh, two <laughs> stories that I think are going to freak some peepers out. I really, really like both of them. I mean, I like all the stories. But, you I know, know. You say that every time. I know. But sometimes they're more like this establishes credibility or this yeah. is just different. Today's stories, I think, are both just scary. Okay. Well, sometimes people like stories more than other times. So mm-hmm. that is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how many stories do you have today? Twelve. You have twelve stories. You're <laughs> I have a liar. two. You have two stories. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any any hints or no? We're just going to surprise us. Uh, surprise. Okay, I like surprise. that. I, like I feel that. very feisty today. Mm. I just want you to know I'm very tired. Okay. The COVID insomnia is legit. Yeah. 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 yeah you've had trouble sleeping. I have, but you know what helps me sleep? Mm. Weed. Oh, fuzzy socks. socks. Fuzzy look, socks. Look, I'm getting in the mood. Santa nice, socks. Nice, Christmassy. Look at, I can't even. <laughs> and look at this guy. Mm-hmm. Did you see That's our? It's an awesome like Ouija board art. Uh, Custom made Ouija mm-hmm. board just for us. And it's not quite a Ouija board, but it's a Ouija board like uh, esque. Ouija board theme. And who, and who made that? Uh, Micah Purring or Perring? Thank you, Micah. I think it's Purring. I think it's Purring. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, down in Florida. All right. Thank set, you. Setting some good mood. I like. I, I like the extra decor on the set for bum, the bum, YouTube bum. watchers. Okay, so for, for my first story, yes. uh, heading to Germany for some ancient hmm. folklore. Do you know that I'm German? I know that you're part German, mostly Polish, a little bit German. Hey. Uh, heading to Germany for some ancient folklore and a modern encounter with what may be a very old entity. Okay. Uh, going to meet the Weissfrauen, the white women of Bavaria. And then we're going to head to the U.S. for a story that takes place primarily around Orlando, Florida, and Tacoma, Washington. Oh, that's uh, weird. Mm-hmm, a situation that may apparently be ongoing. Re- like right now? Like right now. No way. Very recent. Very oh, recent. The, uh, the last update was from December of 2018 in this article in The Atlantic. And then no further updates on this 
possible case of ongoing demonic possession. Oh my God, we need to find this person. Just on the other side of the state. Uh, it's going to be the story of Luisa Muscovitz. Dang. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, yeah, I'm so it's, it's intense. It's intense. It's a good one. I mean, good story. Bad for her. I know. Good for us. Is it okay way. that I feel kind of guilty? Yeah. Okay. Uh, quite a bit of setup to lay down for this first story. So, okay. so settle in. I, I'm going to get cozy over here. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the legend of the Weissfrauen? No. According to German folklore, uh, Weissfrauen, meaning white women are elven-like spirits, ghosts perhaps, uh, beings from some other dimension maybe. No one seems to be able to agree on who or what these things are, but many seem to believe that whatever they are, they are real. Uh, recorded encounters with Weissfrauen go at least as far back as the 7th century, 1,400 years of reported encounters, at least. Uh, according to legend, they're beautiful and enchanted creatures who often appear at noon and can be seen sitting in the sunshine, brushing their hair, or maybe bathing in a brook. Okay. Uh, in years past, many believed they were guarding the treasure of a nearby castle. And then according to folklorist Jacob Grimm, one of the Grimm brothers oh, of the yeah. Grimm, Grimm brothers uh, fairy tale fame, um, they became cursed when Christianity became the dominant religion in the area, doomed to live in perpetual invisibility, just present enough to be seen sometimes, but not enough to be uh, venerated like they once were. And according to other paranormal believers, this banishment has made them angry and changed and warped them. Uh, maybe this explains why they now tend to be witnessed more often at night. Uh, creatures of the light, now residents of the dark. Weissfrauen have been reported as recently as 2012, spotted near the towns of Freihugen and uh, Amberg. Uh, the witnesses who claim to have seen these white ladies uh, uh, of Amberg describe them as benign spirits. The spirit of Freihung, it's a tough one to say, is reportedly more aggressive. Uh, she's been witnessed standing at the edge of the road or appearing suddenly in mirrors. And supposedly she's caused people to drive off the side of the road or otherwise harm themselves. Some locals seem to think she was once tied to an old castle, which then became, among other things, a hotel and restaurant. The Gustav Eilte uh, Post, an unusual amount of accidents seem to have happened around there in recent years correlated to sightings uh, of, the, of the white woman. Uh, in the uh, 1970s, the proprietors of the Gustav to post uh, had had enough, and they asked soldiers from the Grafenvor training area, an American military base, to come and seal the tunnels underneath the hotel for good with explosives. No explanation for why the locals called in the American troops rather than German authorities or even civilian construction contractors. Maybe they thought the Americans wouldn't ask as many questions, and they didn't want to raise suspicion uh, with German authorities. They just wanted the torment of the Weissfrauen to stop. Whether they were actually trying to drive out the ghost or just put an end to reports of her sightings, it apparently didn't work as sightings there continue. And these are just a few of the places that the Weissfrauen have been spotted around, you know, Germany in recent memory. Another location is just outside the suburbs of Munich, where the following encounter I'm about to share is said to have taken place. Uh, Lucas heard this story from his father, Peter, many years after the encounter supposedly happened. Time now for the tale of When Will She Return? Lucas was born in the 1990s, and by the time he was a young man, he traveled to many places in Europe and even a few overseas, eventually settling in Scotland, where he works for a tech company. Life for his father Peter as a young man had been quite a bit different. Growing up just outside of Munich in the 50s and 60s, he'd spent most of his life near his family's small farm. When Lucas was still a young boy, his mother, Peter's wife, insisted that the family live in an apartment in Munich where there were better schools and more opportunities for their child. Peter agreed, but he still worked on the farm. 
For years, he commuted about an hour from their apartment in Munich out to the farm at the crack of dawn, and he often returned to their apartment late at night after his long day's work was done. And one night, when Lucas was only six or seven, Peter was late returning to the city. He'd had some problems on the farm that day, some tools had gone missing, and trying to track them down had taken up most of his day. He ended up getting to his evening chores much later than normal. He considered just staying on the farm that night, but the following day they were having his wife's parents over and he knew she'd need help getting their apartment ready, so he decided to head home. It was well past sunset by the time he got into his car. The night around him was already pitch black. The country roads were empty and quiet. He was exhausted. It had been a long and trying day and he had to focus in order to stay awake for his trip into the city. Just a few minutes into his late night commute, as he came around a curve in the road, he saw her. A young woman in a white dress, standing on the side of the road, staring off into the distance. Peter immediately was concerned for her. There were no homes nearby, just empty farmland. What was she doing there, alone, at this hour? What, she, what could she possibly be looking at? He slowed down his car and pulled over to a stop just past her. As he drove past, he noticed that she didn't seem to react to his presence. When his headlights hit her, she just continued to stare out across the road. So strange. Stranger still, after pulling over and looking back in his rearview mirror, he could no longer see her. It was dark out and his taillights were a bit weak, so he just assumed, at first, that she was just standing just outside the range of his lights in the darkness. He rolled down his window and shouted, Do you need help? No answer. He turned off his engine, took off his seatbelt, opened his door, and stepped outside the car. Are you okay? He shouted into the darkness. Ma'am? Still nothing. He turned on the small flashlight feature of his phone and shined it towards where he'd seen her standing, and she was no longer there. But he could hear something. He heard what sounded like something moving, someone walking maybe, towards him along the side of the road. He heard what he registered as the faint sound of someone's footsteps. But still, he couldn't see anything. He was then suddenly overcome with the intense feeling of wishing he was back inside his car, driving home, driving quickly away from this place, this eerily quiet and too still place. It occurred to him that he hadn't seen another car since he pulled her over. Yes, it was late, but it was still odd to have seen no one else drive by. It was a country road, sure, but a well-traveled road. He hadn't seen anyone at all since he'd saw, seen this woman, and he hadn't heard anything other than this new unsettling sound. Peter thought it was especially strange that, surrounded by farmland, he couldn't hear the usual bug and bird noises he'd always heard on his farm just several miles down the road. Usually, the night was loud with the sounds of insects and chirps, but now it was dead quiet. He felt far more alone than he cared for, and he was used to being alone. He was not used to not feeling safe. He turned and walked quickly back to his car and got in. He locked his door, buckled his seatbelt, rubbed his eyes and started driving again. Despite being back in the car, despite driving towards home, he still felt like he was in some sort of danger. He kept thinking about the woman in white. He wished he would have never stopped and called out for her. She hadn't scared him at first. She hadn't looked scary. But the more he thought about her, and he couldn't stop thinking about her now, the more frightened he became. And then, a few minutes into his return to the road, he heard the distinct sound of a seatbelt clicking closed. The seatbelt directly behind him. The sound startled him badly enough that he cried out, shaken, and slammed on his brakes. When he looked back into the seat behind him, he saw that the seatbelt had indeed been fastened, 
and that no one was sitting there. Oh my god. He sighed and rubbed his temples. What was going on? He took some deep breaths and faced forward again. He pressed back down on the gas pedal and gave a cursory glance in the rearview mirror, and now he saw a face staring back at him. Fuck. The woman from the side of the road. She was sitting directly behind him. She was smiling. He screamed and braked again, slamming the car to a full stop. He threw the door open, hopped out of the car, looked back, and she was gone. The woman he'd seen in the mirror was gone, the woman with the white dress. He felt like he was losing his mind. He slowly approached and then opened the rear driver's side door, and the passenger door, and examined the back seat and floorboards. Nothing. No one was there. But the seatbelt was still fastened. Oh, God. Had his son done that? It seemed unlikely. He couldn't remember him or anyone else actually buckling the seatbelt when not actually sitting in the seat. No one did that. It made no sense. But what else could explain it? The white woman. She could explain it. The words Weissfrauen formed into his mind and a chill ran down his spine. It was impossible. Or was it? He'd heard stories as a kid, but he thought they were just fairy tales. And weren't they supposed to be kind? Or had they changed? He couldn't remember. He jumped back in the car and managed to steady himself enough to start driving again. After about a hundred yards down the road, he squeezed the steering wheel until his knuckles were white, focused all his willpower on again looking back in the rearview mirror. And there she was. No! She was back, still smiling, still waiting? For what? Peter did not slam on the brakes this time. He slammed his foot down onto the gas pedal instead, going faster and faster. He just wanted to get home, quickly. He needed to get home. He tried to focus on the road ahead of him to ignore the apparition that seemed to be sitting directly behind him. But she was impossible to ignore. Every time he glanced in the rearview mirror, there she was, and she was a little bit closer, leaning further forward. Peter muttered a prayer. He looked back again, and now she was leaning so close. He could feel her. He could feel her breath on the back of his neck. It made his blood run cold. Then as he sped into a tunnel, he heard the seatbelt behind him unbuckle. No, 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 no. Closing his eyes, he pressed further down on the gas pedal all the way to the floor, waiting for the grasp of her cold hands around his neck. But there was nothing. He opened his eyes. She disappeared. And then Peter had to slam on his brakes for a different reason. A dog had walked out into the road in front of his speeding car. He had to swerve to avoid hitting it, briefly lost control of the vehicle. As he was sliding off the shoulder towards a rock wall, he was able to slam the steering wheel back the other way, just narrowly avoid hitting it. He must have missed it by mere inches. And then he pulled back into his lane. Luckily, no one else was around. Is that what she wanted? To scare him off the road? He slowed down. There was nothing in the rearview mirror. She was gone. Thank God she was gone. He was almost in Munich now. He drove for another 15 minutes, narrowly avoiding being pulled over by a police officer when he realized he hadn't slowed down quite enough for driving within the city limits. He wanted to be inside his apartment so badly. He arrived at his apartment building, parked his car, got out, glanced in his mirror one final time. The woman in white still nowhere to be found. He headed into his building and began walking up the stairs. It was well after 11 o'clock. His children and his wife would be asleep. He was so full of adrenaline that he was almost running up to the third floor. And then he quickly let himself in. As expected, everyone was asleep, and he started quietly getting ready for bed. He brushed his teeth, washed his face, and was about to turn off the bathroom light when something caught his eye. Something in the bathroom mirror. Fuck. The woman's face right behind him, her face still smiling. Peter screamed and woke up everyone in the apartment, probably everyone in the surrounding apartments as well. When his wife ran in, he was still screaming. He screamed for several moments after she grabbed him and tried to find out what was going on. 
Lucas said his father, Peter, was never the same after that night. He's been looking for the white woman ever since, one of the vice frauen. He's constantly worried she'll suddenly show up right behind him again. Lucas's parents had to sell the farm because his father was too afraid to return to work it. Unable to find a new job in the city for over a year, he spent most of his time alone inside their apartment, a shell of his former self, waiting for her. So far, she hasn't been back. Lucas and his mother worry that if she ever does return, it'll break Peter. If he thinks she ever appears behind him in another mirror again, he'll immediately lose whatever's left of his mind forever. He might lose it anyway, it just won't be quick. The dread of the unknown might slowly chip it away one day of waiting at a time. Yeah. I already am slightly paranoid when I drive home alone in the dark. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of like, huh? Huh? And if, if like someone makes all the same turns as me, I'm convinced right. they're following me. I mean, I think a lot of people have that paranoia. <laughs> sure, but sure. Dang. I find it interesting how this reminds me of that story we told a long time ago in Hawaii. Of the lady oh, standing in the road. yeah. And she was white. Mm-hmm. And she was white. And then, and it's a little bit similar to a story. I think we did tell on a – it was the Patreon bonus episode. So I don't know if it was a regular episode of Tuesday, but it was about in Malaysia of that Karak oh, Highway. Oh, my God. That and was the, and the so boy, good. And the boy there. And it's like – Was that the bonus episode? I think. Ah, I think, I think, I know they kind of blur. I, I think it was, but it's, but I just, I just find it interesting that like Germany, Malaysia, Hawaii, that kind of the same theme around mm-hmm. the world is kind of fascinating. Uh, this that, for, that might make it less real. I don't know if it, I don't know if it makes it less or more. <laughs> I'm going to go with less. <laughs> this first picture is a, a medieval illustration of a Weissfrau. Okay. Um, yeah, she this, looks a little bit also like Mary. Oh like yeah. Like Virgin yeah, Mary. Yeah. You know, it has mm-hmm. a similar... Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure this this illustration is it was like from a museum. I think it's several hundred years old. Mm-hmm. And then this next one is uh, pulled from a creepypasta of Weissfrau, uh, just you know standing there on the side of the road, similar Fuck. to our story. Could you imagine seeing that, especially at night in, a, in a, like a you know mm-hmm. you know when I, when I thought of like rural country road, yeah, the shortcut we take to go across Camas Prairie when we're returning oh. from Riggins to Coeur d'Alene, Tolo Lake by Tolo Lake, that little road where it is it's like gravel and spots and then like paved uh-huh. and just a bunch of farms around. Mm-hmm. Just imagine at night oh. that lady by that side of that road. I'm picturing you know like um. We go straight out for a while, and then mm-hmm. there's that little like dip, and yep, yep. at the bottom mm-hmm, of the dip, there's mm-hmm. like a junkyard situation exactly going what you're talking on. About. Yep. If I saw her hanging right. out there, because that that property already kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. It, it is creepy. Because I mean, it might just be junk, but it also has this vibe of like, what are you hiding down there? I know. I it's know. Like, it if very, I saw it has a meth her, vibe. yes. If I saw yeah. her there, yeah. My instinct would be like, do you need help? That's, right. that's where you go wrong. You, you cannot stop for help. Uh, one more picture. Okay. Uh, this is a little scarier. This is a German illustration. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, there's not a lot of pictures about this. Well, but... I don't think there can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not a lot of illustrations even. You know, right, it's like right. the, that are uh, easy to find more obscure kind of bit of like, you know, recent sightings, a little bit of folklore, but... I thought I thought it was you know this is an interesting one when I first glanced at it mm-hmm. I was like I don't know like when I first just read the initial yeah. kind of folklore part I was like that doesn't seem scary mm-hmm. but then it's interesting how it kind of morphed into a scary story it sure did yeah okay any so, any, any questions before we move on oh no I was just thinking about if I have to go anywhere in my car tonight <laughs> <laughs> I know because it gets dark so early now I know if you live anywhere in the Northwest you can play the game that Monroe and I play which is called is it four thirty or is it midnight because <laughs> that's how dark mm-hmm. it is it's Truly. so painful so weird. Uh, you ready to come back to America for this next story oh buddy 
That really. It's good, right? And I think this next one's. I just, uh, I just know that every time I get in the car for the next few months, it's going to be. It'll flash sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing, I mean, I did like that angle of first you see the person by the road mm-hmm. and then you can't find them. And then you're, and I like the seatbelt clicking. Yeah, that sounds. God, that little, that little click. And then, Yikes. That alone, forget everything else in that story. I know. I know. Everything that happened afterward, if, if, if you just thought, I mean, I guess up to that point. Uh, if you saw someone like an apparition looking possible person yes. whatever side of the road can't find them then you're driving away and you just feel something off and then you hear your seatbelt click pull over and look and your seatbelt is suddenly buckled that alone would be so intense and then when forget you, the mirror stuff I know and then it just keeps building but would actually I think what made it even worse is that she's somehow gone from the car and then she's back in the car right is that right, right? do I have right. my, my sequence mm-hmm, correct mm-hmm. And then she's just gone, and then she's in the house. Right. Like, she then be anywhere. Well, to me, then it's like, oh, she's attached to me. Right. Right. And she's going to follow I brought this me thing. That's everywhere. What I thought. Yeah. Like he. Like like when he pulled over, it's like if, if we're gonna you know go with this being true, it's like when he pulled over, he brought it home. Yep. <laughs> if he wouldn't have pulled over, or if he would have stayed in his car, or like yeah. And, and immediately, honestly, what at the very beginning when you said that he turned his car off, I was like, oh, you idiot right because in my mind it was going to chase him oh. like he was going to be out of his car he was going to be chased and it was going yeah. to be this horrific thing and he was going to try to get back into his car and then the car wouldn't start like i had a yeah. whole thing so well keep it, the car running bringing something with you ties very strongly into the next story i know i'm also it is freezing in here mm-hmm. <gasps> the thermometer stopped working <laughs> that's it it's over oh we're the temperature of death Okay, you ready? Okay. You ready to to, to nope, get even I'm more stalling. scared? <laughs> I'm stalling. Okay, no more stalling. Fine. Before we move on to more scares, time for a quick in between story sponsor break. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's Dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scaredtodeath50 at factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Thank you for listening, creeps and peepers. I'm just going to get cozy now. I have a bit of setup on this next story to lay down before really getting into the scares. Okay. Demonic possession and its terrible cousin, demonic oppression, appear to be on the rise in America in recent years. What? Uh, What's the difference between possession and oppression? Uh, When a demon possesses a person, the demon has total control of the person's thoughts and actions. Demonic oppression, on the other hand, involves a demon tempting or encouraging a person into sin or bothering slash tormenting them with blasphemies, accusations, evil thoughts, uh, and the like. Could you be a demonic oppression? (laughs) I probably, I guess I could be. Uh, Before scared to death, when I thought of possession or oppression uh, and of exorcisms linked to both, I guess exorcism is more linked to possessions, but whatever. I, I generally thought of the 60s, 70s kind of era. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think of this stuff as happening recently. Hell usually. no. Hell no. I don't want to think about it <laughs> right. happening right now. I don't want it to be an option for right now. Yeah, maybe just it's because of movies, you know, where yeah. like the characters come from that kind of era, like Ed and Lorraine Warren type, you know, vibes or, you know, like with the exorcism movie. Uh, uh, why do a lot of demonic stories seem to come from those decades? Uh, maybe because America was rethinking its values more than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the counterculture was waging a social revolution. The conservative, put your head down, do as you're told, ways mm-hmm. of uh, the parents of baby boomers slowly being replaced by the ways of free loving, question the status quo hippies. Hippies! Uh, religion was declining, and interest in the occult and anything other than traditional dogmatic Judeo-Christian values was rising. Mm-hmm. It was a time of spiritual upheaval, and according to some, it makes sense that demonic possession, or at least claims of possession, would increase during a time like that. Some social scientists have pushed an idea that claims of demonic possession rise in times of economic and or social strife. Claims of possession, oppression, uh, they say are really just outsourcing of other kinds of troubles in our lives, troubles that are much more mundane than shadow people and the devil's minions. I immediately am like, yeah, 2020 should be full of possessions <laughs> right. and oppressions. I'm right. fucking scared already. Uh, or is that just what the demons want us to think? Uh, do they know when humanity is at its weakest points, uh, most chaotic, and take advantage of that to pursue their, pursue their own dark agendas? What if, in the chaotic cultural moment we are living through right now, some of us find ourselves in the midst of a very different kind of crisis? What if we're attacked at our weakest points by the unknown, attacked by something many of us, sometimes myself, only believe truly exists in the human imagination, attacked by something demonic? It's a genuine concern for many. Polls conducted in recent decades by Gallup and the data firm YouGov suggest that roughly half of Americans believe demonic possession is real. Wow. The percentage who believe in the devil is even higher, steadily lying somewhere between Mm. 60 and 70 percent. Get out of here, devil. Father Vincent Lambert, uh, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, said he's been receiving more and more requests to deal with demonic forces in recent years than ever before. He received 1,700 phone or email requests by October of 2018. Holy crap. By far the most he'd ever received in a single calendar year with over two months, you know, remaining. Yeah, but still, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So even more than, you know, 1700 by the end of 2018, San Jose priest Father Gary Thomas said that now he gets at least a dozen requests a week, more than he's ever received in the past. 
Several other priests reported that without support from church staff and volunteers, their exorcism ministries would quickly swallow up their entire weekly schedules. Sorry, did you just hear that? <laughs> that was my stomach. <laughs> I can't, yeah, it just is what it is. It's going to growl today. <laughs> I know. I, I was going to let that go. I didn't, it's like it's a demon-y thing. It sounded demon-y. It's just my stomach. Uh, Sorry. There's a demon in my stomach. Um, and this is happening despite a massive increase in the amount of priests performing exorcisms in America. Uh, in 2011, the U.S. had fewer than 15 known Catholic exorcists. As of 2018, there were well over 100. Wow. It's thought there's many more than that operating now. And in addition to them, there are all the priests who may not be official exorcists, but have still attempted to help those they believe may be demonically oppressed or possessed. And one of these priests, Father White from uh, the Western Washington, attempted to help Louisa Muscovitz just a few years ago. I'm so anxious about this. And may still be trying to help her right now. This is very recent. Time now for the tale of the demonic possession of Louisa Muscovitz. Louisa's trouble started long before she'd contacted a priest for help with demonic possession. Born in 1982, her parents separated when she was just three years old. Her mother eventually remarried, settled with Louisa and her older brother in Fife, a small city just east of Tacoma, Washington. Louisa's childhood and adolescence were marked by abuse. She was molested by a family mm. member, and then as an adult, she suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety, and things would only get worse from there. In 2019, at the age of 26, Louisa had an experience in the middle of the night that was unforgettable, unexplainable, and the terrifying beginning of what she believes to be demonic encounters. Louisa lived in Orlando with her husband, Stephen, at the time, and the two had just had their first, first child, a son. Sleeping in bed with Stephen and their son, tucked between them, Louisa awoke in the middle of the night and found herself completely paralyzed. All she could move were her eyes, and they darted around the room in horror. Shortly after finding herself trapped in this state, she saw it. At the foot of her bed, the black shape of a man crouched so that only the top of his head was visible. Fuck. As Louisa watched in horror, he started pulling himself up and crawling onto the bed. She opened her mouth to scream, but nothing came out. The shadow crawled over her legs, up towards her face, up towards her infant son. Maternal instinct made her want to attack it, to rip this thing apart, to get it away from her baby. But still, she couldn't move. She couldn't make a sound. After this monster hovered for a few dreadful moments above her child, what was it doing to him? Enveloping his tiny, sleeping body in its darkness, it began to crawl again towards her face. She felt so much fear. Then, all at once... Just as the darkness now hovered above her, just as she could feel the sick weight of it, her movement came back and she shot out of bed, stumbling over the sheets as she scrambled to turn on the light. The man was gone. She grabbed her son, held him to her chest, and sobbed. When Louisa told her friends and family about this episode, most just shrugged it off. Some suggested that it may have been the lingering effect of having just undergone a C-section. Others mentioned sleep paralysis. Most thought she'd only had a nightmare. And for the next couple of years, Louisa decided that they must be right. But when she'd feel the shadow man again, she'd think differently. Two years later, in 2011, she was finishing up, actually several years later, sorry, uh, no, no, just two years. Two years later, in 2011, she was finishing up her undergraduate degree in women's studies at Washington State University. As part of her program, she needed to complete an internship, and she chose to travel to Kathmandu, Nepal, and work for an organization that provided aid to impoverished women and children in that region. After a month in Kathmandu, Louisa was infected with E. coli mm. and had to be hospitalized for two full days. 
When she was discharged, she still felt ill, wondered if she should cut her trip short and just fly home right away. She'd completed her internship, but her scheduled flight wasn't for another four weeks. Originally, she'd been looking forward to making the famous uh, Annapurna base camp trek, a long hike through the Himalayas that takes somewhere between 7 and 12 days depending on pacing. But now she felt terrible, weak from her sickness, and lonely because the other interns had left the apartment complex where they'd all been staying. The city streets were shut down because of political protests, and it was weirdly quiet outside. And she felt a bit unhinged. At first, she thought it was just an emotional response to the end of a fun and rewarding internship, uh, the, the reaction to everyone she'd worked so closely with leaving while she also got sick. But that didn't fully explain all that she felt right now. She also felt scared. She felt a familiar dread creep over her, a feeling she thought she'd totally forgotten as she paced around the small, quiet apartment. She flashed on the thing at the foot of her bed that night a few years prior. She hadn't thought about it in months, but now she couldn't get dark thoughts to leave her mind. She was so far from home. Nothing strange could have followed her all the way from Florida to Nepal, could it? She told herself she was probably just homesick. That night, the first night after she left the hospital, Louisa locked the door to her small apartment, secured the window with a wooden bar, double-checked each, went to bed, and tried to fall asleep. She hoped, as we all have hoped at one time or another for various reasons, that everything would just feel better in the morning. Finally, after a lot of tossing and turning, she drifted away into a dreamless sleep. Then a few hours later, she awoke in the darkness to the sound of someone breathing. She felt their hot exhalations on the back of her right ear on the back of her neck. As she lay motionless in her sleeping bag, she thought there's no way anyone could get into the room. She checked to make sure everything was locked. She checked twice. How was it possible? Thoughts of the thing in Florida crawling onto her bed flooded her thoughts again. Had she ever really felt the same after that night? She'd never seen it since, but hadn't she felt it? Had it always been with her since that first encounter? Thoughts of other evil spirits rushed into Louisa's mind. Her grandmother, who was both an American Indian and devout Catholic, had warned her about them when she was a child. If Louisa ever encountered evil spirits, her grandmother had told her she should do her best to ignore them. She'd said they'd feed on attention. Louisa tried to block all the horrible thoughts she was having from her mind. She just wanted to go to sleep. She wanted to be home, but she wasn't home. She wasn't asleep. She could still hear and feel it. The breathing continued, a heavy, rhythmic rasp. Then after a minute or so, she felt a hand brush against her collarbone. Louisa leapt out of her sleeping bag and ran to turn on the light. She flipped the switch on. Her frantic eyes raced around the room. While she couldn't see anything, she also knew she was not alone in her room. It was still there. She didn't sleep for the rest of the night. And when she tried to return to bed, she felt more than breathing. She felt the touch again. She felt a phantom hand wandering over her body. It was ice cold and slight. A claw brushing against her thigh. A cold finger tracing its way slowly down the back of her neck. She closed her eyes, tried to focus on her grandmother's words. She tried to ignore it. But what for felt like hours, uh, but for what felt like hours, it refused to be ignored. Finally, she fell asleep again, waking no more than an hour or so later. At dawn, Louisa cleared out of the little apartment quickly, walked several miles to the U.S. Embassy in Kathmandu, and she took the next flight home back to Orlando. No hiking trip. She wanted to leave this thing across the globe, but there would be no escaping it. 
In 2013, just after giving birth to her second child, a daughter, Luisa again woke up abruptly in the middle of the night, only to find her body again locked in place. Fuck. The beginning of a third encounter. As she lay paralyzed, staring at the ceiling, she saw a giant spider crawl into her bedroom and stop on the ceiling directly above her mouth. No way. She couldn't turn her head or even her eyes to look, but she knew if she could, she would also see the dark man standing at the foot of her bed. He was with her again. He was watching. He was connected to the spider somehow. To her horror, the spider above her now slowly began to descend. She couldn't move closer and closer to her face. She then felt a tickle in the back of her throat as it crawled in her mouth between her lips. She tried telling herself later this was all sleep paralysis, a nightmare, but what about the hand? Louisa didn't think sleep paralysis could account for the claw-like hand she also felt again in her collarbone, which she swore she'd felt after the spider nightmare was over, the hand touching her that she'd felt while she was completely awake, and why did her throat hurt the next day? Why did it feel like something had bit her just behind her tongue? The thing there in Orlando, the thing in Nepal, it all felt connected, all the same. Something was following her. Something wanted her. Afraid for her sanity, her life, and her family, she waded into some dark internet waters looking for answers after this, hoping for clues for how to get rid of this thing, whatever it was. She read blogs. She struck up conversations in chat rooms and on message boards. She watched YouTube testimonials of people who'd claimed that a demon or some other evil entity had possessed or oppressed them or dragged someone they knew into hell. The more she read and learned, the more she watched, the more scared she became. She began to believe she was the victim of demonic oppression. She pored over artist renderings of hell and demons, naked bodies writhing like snakes, consumed by flames. As she stared at their torment, she imagined she could feel their pain. She feared for her soul. The Sunday after this third major incident, Louisa attended Mass in Orlando at St. James Cathedral. After the service, she recounted all three of her experiences to the priest, who immediately asked whether she'd ever dabbled in the occult or not. When she told him that she had used a Ouija board after her grandfather had passed a couple years earlier and had tried to contact him, how she felt that she had made contact with him, or maybe with something pretending to be him, oh boy! he told her to get rid of it, along with anything else that be, could be construed as a cult. Tarot cards, amulets, pagan symbols, even healing crystals and birthstones. Mm. All these things, he told her, could serve as a doorway for the demonic. Louisa followed his instructions, throwing out her Ouija board and some healing crystals. I did not add that detail that was in the story. A short time later, she and Stephen moved back to Washington State with her two children, hoping that proximity to family and old friends would do her good. They settled into a new routine. Stephen worked at a nearby warehouse. Louisa looked after the children. And soon, Louisa all but forgot the nighttime incidents in Orlando and Nepal. But then, after just a few months, she experienced what felt like not just depression, but true demonic possession for the first time. On the Saturday after Thanksgiving in 2014, Louisa spent a few hours at a friend's house before returning home. Oddly, her husband Stephen thought, Louisa went straight upstairs to their bedroom after walking in the front door. She didn't check in on him or the kids or talk about a plan for dinner. She didn't even acknowledge them. She just walked straight and silently to their room. It creeped him out, but he tried to convince himself maybe she was just exhausted. She came down a few hours later, didn't address her strange entrance, and he asked her how her day had been. When she responded to this and other questions, it was in short, flat words. Fine. Good. I don't know. And then she fell silent. He was worried this was not the Louisa he knew. When she began talking again, he worried more. 
Normally, an affable, meandering conversationalist, Louisa continued to speak in a slow, unnatural, and measured tone. Recognizing that something abnormal was going on, Stephen grabbed his tablet and began filming his wife. Several priests would later watch this video and describe what they witnessed as follows. You humans have your own sense of time. Louisa told Stephen at one point in the video, I have plenty of time. I have all the time in the world. She then shifted into a staccato whisper. It's your wife I want, she said. Not only her body, but her soul. As she spoke, she jerked her head from side to side, at first quickly like a marionette, then slowly like a viper sizing up its prey. Halfway through the video, Louisa leaned forward and Stephen froze her face just a few inches from his. God can't save her. Do you understand that? She's mine. After a period of tense silence, she suddenly arched her spine and her face contorted. She's mine! Would be the last thing that whatever was inside Louisa would say that day. And then it would take hours after she finished speaking for the day's look to fully leave her eyes and for her to return to speaking normally. This was the first but not the last time someone would witness something take hold of Louisa. Winona Gurky, who became close friends with Louisa at Washington State University, witnessed something similar soon after Stephen took this video. One night, they were hanging out at Winona's house along with another friend when Louisa slipped into a persona neither of her friends recognized. This emergent new identity told them Louisa was no longer in control of her own mind and body. A voice unlike any they'd ever heard told them that it wanted to hurt Louisa, that it would drag her soul to hell. And then she, it, attacked Winona. Winona wrestled her friend to the ground, eventually managed to subdue her and then calm her. And Louisa slowly became her old self again. Winona gave Louisa her bed that night and she slept on the couch, wondering if whatever had spoken to them might decide it wasn't done with either of them yet. Whatever she'd witnessed possessed Winona never returned that night, but it wasn't done with Louisa. In March of 2016, Louisa, now 33, was having a session with a therapist. Amy Harp in Tacoma, Washington. She had recently separated from Stephen, and when Amy asked her to talk about it, Louisa started to hyperventilate, a common symptom of a panic attack. But then out of nowhere, Louisa transformed into something Amy had never seen before, something that did not seem related to a panic attack. She started screaming and pulling out clumps of her hair. <sighs> she growled like an animal, glared like someone who wanted to kill Amy. Her head flailed from side to side, cocking back at odd, uncomfortable angles. In jumbled bursts, she muttered about good and evil, God and the devil. She told Amy and another counselor now present that no one could save Louisa, that her soul was damned. And then Louisa, the real Louisa, suddenly cried out in between guttural outbursts, Help me, please! Her face transformed into the young woman Amy recognized from previous therapy sessions before contorting back into the face of a monster. This went on back and forth for minutes. One minute she would snarl and bare her teeth. The next she would beg for help. Amy wasn't sure what to do. She knew that Louisa had mentioned occasionally experiencing episodes in which she felt that something indescribably dark would overtake her. This must be one of these episodes. She remembered that Amy told her that if she read scripture when this happened, she'd regain control of herself. Amy quickly looked up some verses on her smartphone, began to recite various passages. The more she read the Bible aloud, the more Louisa started to calm. Soon, she stopped flailing and thrashing completely, and then she appeared almost catatonic for a moment before she seemed to become herself again. Louisa then vomited into a trash bin, apologized for causing a scene, then left Amy's office in a hurry without answering anyone's questions. After this experience, Louisa started looking for a Catholic exorcist. She no longer felt a therapist could help her. She was now convinced she was not just demonically oppressed, but possessed. A woman she'd met online suggested she contact Father White, 
He wasn't the designated exorcist for the Archdiocese of Seattle, but he had experience in deliverance ministry, the work of helping people overcome different kinds of spiritual difficulties through the power of prayer. And during his first session with Louisa in early 2017, White listened to her entire story, the one I just laid out for you. He then left for a few minutes, returned with the purple stole around his neck, the priest wear for both confessions and exorcisms. In his deliverance ministry, White would often ask the person he was counseling to renounce evil spirits, and they always did. And now he asked Louisa to do this. And when he gave Louisa a piece of paper with renunciation prayers to recite, she froze. Struggling to read the words in front of her, she began moaning and then dry heaving. Moments later, she slipped into guttural babbling. Louisa's upper body began contorting, her neck swinging at unnatural angles. It looked as though she was in agony, though while he was praying aloud, she broke out into hysterical laughter. This was unlike anything he'd ever witnessed in deliverance ministry. After this first session, White considered stating, uh, starting the discernment protocol for an exorcism. He invited Louisa back for a second session, and this time, it went more smoothly. The two talked and prayed, Louisa read the renunciation prayers without a problem. Eventually, after a few more sessions, because she seemed to be responding to the prayers, White made the determination that Louisa's case was one of oppression, not possession, and that she didn't need an exorcism. Still, months into 2018, she kept having strange things happen to her. Her husband, Stephen, uh, they did not remain separated, and their friends still continued to witness something take hold of her. Whatever was tormenting Louisa, the dark presence she first saw in Orlando, it wasn't finished with her. One night at their house, Stephen thought Louisa was having a seizure. She was convulsing so badly he considered calling an ambulance. But then he watched that same alternate identity once again reemerge and re-refer to his wife in the third person, threatening to take her life, to take her soul. He was convinced, is convinced, it's demonic. This was no seizure. This was pure possession. Louisa's case, as far as we know, is still ongoing. It seems that she hasn't shaken off her demon. Was Father White wrong? Is she not oppressed but possessed? Could an exorcism save her? How long will she continue to suffer? Without an exorcism, can you ever just learn to live with the demon? Does it ever just go away? Can you ever come to some sort of understanding and coexist with some sort of dark presence inside of you? Or do you spend the rest of your days in torment knowing that at any time that something inside of you will inevitably emerge and that maybe when it does this time, you'll never get your body back? Fuck! That literally made me cry. I know. I know. I don't want to stop the storytelling to address it. I wanted to keep going, but I was like, I was glancing over there. I was like, is she okay? It was just so intense. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I mean, I'm not questioning her credibility. I don't yeah. know this person. Yeah. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her family. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. there is, okay, two sides of every coin. Of course, sure. there is the, the, the option, the chance that it's complete and utter bullshit mm-hmm. and that she and her husband have worked together to concoct the story, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. But it just feels so very real. And, 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 it, and because yeah. it's current, it's just like my heart was just aching for her. I just felt so sad for her. I felt so, you must feel so crazy. How do you live like that? Of course, her and her husband separated. Yeah. The strain it would put on a relationship because the other person doesn't know like, what the fuck is going on with you? Right. You know, you're not necessarily witnessing it. And then there's children involved. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, That is a very upsetting story. I mean, one detail I didn't include from the, you know, the Atlantic article. And I, and I like that it was in that, you know, magazine as opposed to like, you know, Weekly World News. Right. It's, you know, I, th- I think they do really uh, good journalism. Um, is that... Uh, 
I guess she's, according to the article, she has undergone, you know, a variety of like psychological kind of, you know, testing and stuff and uh, dissociative identity disorder, at least according to her and this therapist in the article have been yeah. ruled out, Ugh. which is interesting, you know, that like um, yeah, that, she's that behavior might be yeah, like, she's a, okay. you know, that used to be called that disorder used to be called a multiple personality disorder. Yeah. A- and they're saying it's not that. That it's not like schizophrenia or something. So it's yeah, it's a it's an odd odd story. And then and yeah, because we, it's recent, it does carry like yeah, for whatever reason, like a different weight. It does. It just feels so relatable. Well, and, and I have picture like this first picture. It's not like this is an old timey picture. I mean, this right. is just somebody living not far from us. Uh, and this is a picture from just you know uh, two years ago. Right. And then this next, so that's Louisa. And then this next picture is Father White's Church, which is Saint Stephen the Martyr Church in Renton, Washington, mm-hmm. just outside of Seattle. And then this last picture is uh, Father White. I believe he's uh, yeah still at that at that church. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, there's one more picture. Yeah. One more picture. Um, no idea what this picture is, but it came up when I was looking for an image of a shadow dude crawling into a bed. I love it. Uh, this is actually uh, we used Joe used part of this picture for one of the thumbnails on YouTube. I was like, where did I yeah. know that? I just uh, I kind of I love that. I would have that painting in here if if we could. That's just uh, it's creepy. You're in a really creepy. cool way. I'm a little creepy. You are a little bit creepy. Um, fuck. Okay, so where is she now? Uh, and I mean, according that, again, I mean, the, you know, every kind of information kind of stops yeah. in December of 2018, but at that time in the Tacoma area. I'm going to be obsessed with her now. I want to find uh, her. You know, it's funny. I was I was looking for to try to pronounce her name right, and mm-hmm. I was uh, and I didn't you know dig further into it, but I was looking for like on YouTube. Sometimes I'll just see like somebody yeah. talking about her, so I can hear it. Right. And and I couldn't find anything there, but I did find two different channels that were Louisa Muscovitz like channels, you know, just like playlists and things. Oh yeah. But I'm like, I wonder if that's hers. You know, uh, I mean, and, and I didn't look on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing she's probably on something Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, something. I just like, there's nothing I can do for her. Right. But I just like somehow feel so compelled to help her. Mm hmm. Ugh. But also, if she's going to have. And she, and she supposedly, oh, sorry, one last detail. She supposedly, uh, well, again, as of 2000, uh, you know, 18. December 2018, she was hoping to get more sessions with Father White. And I, I don't know if those occurred or if she sought help elsewhere or what. There's like a really sick part of me that's like, man, if they're going to perform an exorcism. You'd want to be there? Uh huh. But then I was like, Except it could fly into my body, so fucking that no. Would, that would be good for the show. I mean, is, how could come you? Come on, what are you? What you don't want to? You don't want to sacrifice a little bit, make our show better. I sacrifice plenty. That that be then then we no. Could have, what no? Listen, hold, I'm not doing the ultimate sacrifice. Hold, hold on. What if we had a situation that when you tell your stories, you tell one of them, and then the demon inside of you tells another. Oh, like maybe him and I come to a little if agreement. You could, if you guys could work something out, what do you think his name would I be? I could make a deal. Listen, I'll make a deal. <laughs> If the demon lets you have half of your kind of, you know, mind and body mm-hmm. so you can like, you know, be you sometimes. Yeah. I'll give it one of the kids. Well, that's fucked up. But they're not on the show. So they're not important to the show. You know what I mean? Like, what uh, is from, wrong with you? From, <laughs> that's a terrible trade Hold on. From a business place. I'm just uh, speaking no, from a business no. place. Give him like one of Joe Paisley's kids. Okay, fine. I'll give okay. him both of Joe's kids. I'll give him both of Joe's kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I would have the You power. said they were driving you crazy. Okay, hold on. Logan. <laughs> you said I'll give him one Logan, you guys can have. Okay, we got three. We got five kids out here. Five kids. Those are five five okay. kids plus your two. We're going to get the best demon. <laughs> oh, my God. Quality. We're going to get a top shelf demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This poor uh, woman. Like, yeah. and are her kids okay? Uh, you know what? It doesn't I've, address that at I all. But... I'm kind of glad they don't because for 
there's a part of me that hopes that like somebody changed the kids' last names and that yeah, like the kids are being yeah. protected and that they're not seeing their mom go through this. I hope that I'm they're... sure they are aware on some level. I mean, like, I hope the, they're the not. Older, I hope... The older son. I mean, he's he's still young. I hope that no. I hope mm, that the kids yeah. are off living with grandparents or something like. Just yeah. how bad does that fuck you up for the rest of your life? If occasionally mm. your mom just goes, eh. right, and then That'd like be terrifying morphs into something else. Okay, now I'm picturing some reverse it. thing, where it's like like most little kids like run to their parents' room when they're scared at night. Yeah. Now I'm picturing like this reverse, where it's like anyone, any, anybody, any, but any, mom. yeah, any place but the parents' room. How weird is that? It's just so heavy, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But I'm fascinated, and if anybody knows anything, I would yeah. I would love an update. Also, I just want her to be okay. Yeah, I want her to be exercised, and I want her to be okay. And then I want her to go on to write a book and a movie and be super financially successful, so that it was all for naught. Mm. That so that it wasn't, so it wasn't all for yeah. naught. Mm-hmm. So that just like this terrible thing that has put so much strain on your life. I mean, how do you work? And like, I just think about all the ramifications of that. Because yeah. what if you're at work one day and then the demon takes over? What if you work at a haunted house? Stop. You know uh, no, what I'm I saying. Know. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to empathize with this woman and you. I was picturing her working at like a haunted Halloween place. I'm I know like, you are. That's pretty sweet. You know, it's like she gets into character a little oh, better. God. I know. I know. I'm acting like it's not real. Uh, but yes, that would suck. That would I, suck. I find that with you, you, the more that you joke, the more likely you are to think it's real. It's like you joke. I try to push it away? Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe. Yeah. So I know what's going on right now. She, yeah, it concerns me a little bit. Do you just look at me? Yeah, when you pulled your blanket down, I thought it was going to kind of uh, pop your boob partially out. <laughs> Free to... show for everyone? Mm-hmm. I am wearing a really good bra today, so <laughs> at least it'd be good, you know? I'm not wearing my old lady one. <laughs> Other and women... cut! <laughs> <laughs> Other women know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whew, that is just going to really settle into me. Yeah. Okay, are you... Ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much I like you right now. Do you want to get a squishy? Yeah, I got one. Who, who do you got? I got I got gingerbread guy. That's Layla, not gingerbread Layla. guy. I got Layla. You can't remember Layla's name? Oh, man. Oh, man. What kind of squishy owner are you? Uh, okay, for our first story, I'm sorry, I feel a burp rising up. Um, mm-hmm. For our first story, we're headed off to the English countryside. Okay, cool. Which, which is interesting and mm-hmm. fun to visit maybe a possibly haunted inn. Okay. Okay. Um, and I was just thinking when I was doing this story, I remembered, you know, obviously, I know all your stories, that you studied abroad uh-huh. in England. And I was curious, I've never asked you this, was there anything that ever happened to you over there? Like, it is just, everything is so old. Oh, and so I'm yeah. curious if you had any, like, experiences or anywhere that you went that you were like, oh, that's kind of creepy. No. I mean, we went to a lot of places. You know, we went to a lot of, like, castles and stuff mm-hmm. around England, you know, around the English countryside. Went to a variety of, like, inns and little towns on the weekends. Yeah. But, um... No, nope, no experiences other Nothing. than some some solid sausage breakfasts, you know, beans and toast and that kind of stuff. Oh, I love beans on toast. It's only my favorite breakfast ever. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it too. Like I had, you know, the opportunity to travel for work for several mm-hmm. months and I never uh, felt like anything in England was haunted or I don't know. But I mean, yes, everything is old and yeah. dusty and, you know, whatever. But um, I actually found that I felt like uh, down in Barbados, it was, and I don't know huh. if it, there's like, a, I don't know if there is a voodoo culture vibe there or if it, I don't know, but I, down there I was like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyways, I was just curious and I think it's time to go visit our friend across the pond. And so he begins, hey, both of you, huge fan of the show, have been listening since the first one. Thank you. Thank you. Thought I'd share my story with you guys. 
I used to be a manager at a hotel slash inn in rural northern England. The building was old, a proper English countryside coach house that over the years had become bigger and repurposed into the inn that we know it as today. It was situated in a very small village with not a lot going on and not a lot else but fields for miles around. I'm reluctant to give the name of the place because I haven't gotten permission, and I know after speaking to some paranormal investigators that a lot of private businesses don't actually like to be publicly known as potentially haunted places, although for some of us, it feels like a haven. Okay, so what I'm going to do is tell you three small short stories from my time of living there. Disclaimer, I don't technically believe in ghosts. Hmm. I would love to, but there are also so many that are falsified stories and exaggerated tales that it takes so much of any chance that it takes away so much of any chance of truth. My stories are a collection of events that my logical and scientific brain still cannot comprehend, and neither can those who shared my experiences. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I love this angle. Very skeptical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first little short story. It was literally the first morning after moving in. It was a weird one for me because I'd worked here for over a year prior to moving in, and so to call this place my home now was a bit odd. It felt like a palace, and at a young age, I was living the dream. I came down in my lounging around clothes to make coffee at approximately 6.15 a.m. I noticed the hover cable, the hoover cable stretching across the old wooden flooring going off into the restaurant, and so I presumed that the cleaner had arrived, as she normally did this around 6 a.m. I turned the coffee machine on and started going through our booking diary to see what the day ahead had in store for me. When I heard our cleaner singing, I thought I'd go and say hello whilst the machine brewed. I turned and followed the cable and found her in our restaurant annex. We spoke a little bit about my first night, and I walked back to the bar to get my coffee. I was a little bit stunned when I noticed a man leaning on the bar around 20 feet away from me, about six feet in height, mid-40s, wearing a black cap similar to those associated with old men and a long beige raincoat similar to the one Columbo wears. (laughs) I shouted, I'll be right with you in a minute, and made my way to turn off the machine. As I walked, I noticed the man nod to acknowledge that he had heard me and then walk away from me with one hand leaning on the bar. He was walking down the end of the bar towards a walled-in area where our regulars would sit. The wall separates the main bar from the jockey bar. I thought that this was our delivery guy for the kitchen, given it was a Tuesday. I suddenly stopped mid-thought and mid-step when I realized we had no one staying at the hotel. It was 6.30 a.m., and all of the doors would have been locked as a security measure. Mm-hmm. So how did he get in? I started to panic a little bit, and I made my way around the corner of the bar, making sure I was on the staff's side so as to put the counter between me and him. I peered around the corner and noticed he was gone. I shouted, Hello? Mate? You need letting into the kitchen? Silence. Utter Silence. I walked down the bar and into the jockey bar through the archway. No one. You could hear a pin drop. I popped my head into the toilets to make sure he wasn't in there and then scratched my head and thought that I must be imagining things. As I went to get the coffee and go to speak to the cleaner, I noticed she was leaning on the bar. Did you see him? And I said, yeah, the delivery guy? Bit early for him, and I don't know how he got in. She did a nervous little chuckle and replied, oh, that's not the delivery man. That's Harry. He's our permanent resident, if you will. What? A chill went down my spine. I had two questions. Why have I never seen him before in all the times I've worked the breakfast shift? And why have you named it? 
She laughed and just said that he appears rarely, but always in the early morning, obviously working there for over 10 years. She had had her fair share of encounters with Harry. That's so weird. So weird. That's the first night there. Next story. We had a small desk area, which we had a computer at that was used to manage the hotel bookings. It was where we checked guests in and checked guests out and reviewed inquiries. One of the other managers was at the desk and I had my back to her, making sure we had the cutlery polished for the evening. I heard her say, I'll be with you in a second, madam. I turned around and noticed no one was there. It was in our lull period of the day where nothing happens. This is after lunch and before tea, being the middle of nowhere, we weren't the kind of place to stop in for a drink. I said, who are you talking to? And she said, that lady, she just walked to the restaurant. I think she's wearing black. I walked into the restaurant to see if she needed help, and there wasn't anyone in the restaurant. It was still closed until the evening service. Before I could go back and make a joke about her cracking Mm -hmm. up, I noticed walking off into the annex where we host parties and events, a black gown turning the corner. Bingo. I ran after her. Madam, are you okay? Walking away from me towards towards the curtain parting was a small old lady. She was dressed like she was attending a funeral, all in black, with a black veil, walking at a very slow pace, like she was in a dream state or something. She didn't seem to hear me and turned the corner. When I went after her, she was gone, vanished into thin air. The only way she could have got away from me was to go past the other manager at the restaurant entrance. I went back. Did you see her come back? No, I didn't. Where is she gone? We looked everywhere, but alas, nothing. We gave each other a look to say, have we just experienced something? And then we never mentioned it to one another again. (laughs) That's two. Now, with the first two specters, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't scared. I almost accepted that if they were what I thought I saw, then they have every right to be here, and I wasn't going to question that. With this experience, it was slightly different, though, to the point of feeling terror. I was closing the bar one night after a busy Saturday. It was about 1 a.m. and everyone had gone home. We had Mm -hmm. no residents in the hotel once again, so so it was an easy day for me. The only residents that we were meant to have had canceled. I poured myself a beer and sat on the sofas in the main bar area by the fire. One of our regulars loved the fireplace and took it upon himself to take it over every day. This is all well and good until he had it roaring at, at the time of last call and then proceeded to leave himself. This meant I had to wait until it was all but embers in the dark. I was watching the highlights of a football game from the Saturday daytime on my phone and put my phone up on the table. About 10 minutes later, I hear a loud creak. Now, this isn't uncommon for the building. As I alluded to earlier, it's very old. Pipes groan and floorboards creak. I thought nothing of it until I heard another and then another, Mm -hmm. the replication of footsteps. I stood up and spun around. In the dark of the bar, I couldn't see much, but I didn't see anyone from the glow of the lights that I had left on. I picked up the poker from the fireplace and walked towards the jockey bar, ironically going against all of my training on how to handle conflicts. The (laughs) year before, I had locked someone in with me who was very drunk and had been the subject of a cruel practical joke by their friends by locking him in the toilets and then leaving him there with everyone else at lockup. So I thought I may have locked someone in the pub (laughs) and they were being quiet because they knew they shouldn't be there. I opened the old wooden door to go into the jockey bar and saw it was empty, but for the faint green glow of the emergency exit lights. They were casting an eerie effect on the walls. I hadn't noticed the shadows created before, but realized that right now I was in fight or flight mode with a possible intruder and all of my senses were heightened. 
After checking everywhere, I decided that there wasn't anyone there, and I had satisfied my curiosity enough to go back to the football and walked back into the main bar. As I opened the wooden door, I heard two loud creaks, followed by one louder, and then one more, and then one no more than four yards behind me. I felt a cold, wisp breeze across my neck and suddenly became very overwhelmed with the feeling of great, great sadness, a wanting to cry, and a feeling of wanting to get a great weight off of my shoulders. I felt as though someone stood directly behind me, breathing on my neck. I'm six foot two and felt as though I was being loomed over, so this figure, or whatever it was, must have been upwards of six six. As quickly as this feeling came over me, it went. The air became clear again. I couldn't feel the presence anymore. The fear and the sadness had gone and left the adrenaline rushing through my body. I sprinted through the building, grabbed my phone, and rushed up the stairs and locked myself in my apartment. I don't think I've ever done the security locks so fast in all my life. I sat in my living room and stayed there watching the doorway until I fell asleep. It is worth noting, guys, that I have lived in that building for nearly three years. I didn't see or feel those three spirits ever again. My take on ghosts is that we all create, burn, and leave energy in our wake every single day. Whether it's thermal or motion or sound, we leave some sort of wake behind. Now, when we die, that energy has to go somewhere. Energy doesn't just go, it gets recycled. And I believe ghosts and spirits are our our energy imprinted on the world after we die. The more traumatic or horrific a death or the circumstances leading to it, the stronger the energy print is due to the buildup before death. Keep it going, guys. Love the work. Rick. Thank you, Rick. I just thought that whole thing was really fascinating. Yeah, that was really fascinating. I kept thinking about like the the third one when he's hearing the floor creak. Yeah. Just what a weird phenomenon because there's all these like – you know, themes or tropes or whatever you like, you want to call it, like, you know, consistently like reemerge with sightings, like characteristics, hallmarks of sightings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes it's like a shadowy figure, mm-hmm. an ethereal figure that's kind of like, you know, transparent somehow, um, feeling of dread, you know, cold, you know, air. Yeah. And then also, you know, footsteps comes up a lot where you mm-hmm. can actually hear them on the floor. And what a weird thing that <sighs> alone is. They're like, how would this thing, this ghost, this energy left over, whatever, mm-hmm influence the physical world around it in that way to like push down on a on a wooden floorboard to make it creak like just that alone is so odd that is odd i never thought about it that way and that just made me think i have not heard the ghost upstairs in kyler's room in months because that was always my thing about what i heard upstairs because you know in case you're just joining the show dan and i share our kids we co-parent with his ex-wife and her husband and so the kids are sometimes at our house or sometimes at their mom's and Mm -hmm. i would always hear creaking upstairs in kyler's room when he wasn't there it was us in bed with our dogs there's no reason for that sound whatsoever that's probably just going with the energy thing. Uh, whatever a teen boy is doing alone in their room is probably so traumatic and intense. Yeah, I knew you were going with that, something stupid. Okay, I'll stop. That was pathetic. <laughs> that wasn't even good. Yeah, I didn't even really finish it. I okay. know, it's because you like, I see it happening. You kill, you. <laughs> I killed it before you, it could happen. That, that's your sense. Like some people have like a sense of ghosts. You have a sense of like a shitty joke coming <laughs> and you're just like, let's just, no, let's just kill this now. It's, you know what that is? That what? is the result of being the mom of a teenager. I, yeah. I can feel a terrible joke a mile away. <laughs> that is interesting. Like you don't hear that stuff anymore up there. I don't. And I don't know why. And I honestly, the reason I know it is valid for me anyways, is that 
I haven't thought about it because I never went to bed mm. like suspecting it would happen. But now just in this moment, I'm like, oh, wait, that hasn't happened in a really long time. It's sort of like uh, when you have hurt your back and then all of a sudden and you're like, yeah. it aches, it aches, it aches. You're bitching and complaining about it every day. You're like taking Advil. And then a few weeks go by and you're like, oh, I haven't taken right, any Advil. Right, like my right. back is better. It's that kind of moment where I'm like, hmm. oh, it's oh, yeah, gone. Oh, yeah, I heard of that stuff. Yeah. The house feels lighter. And I mentioned that a couple weeks ago that things feel different there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just thought that Rick Rick sounds really uh, steady mm -hmm. and logical, and even he, I, I like it when someone is of that mindset. Isn't they aren't looking for it? They aren't yeah. hoping it happens. And when it happened, it doesn't sound like it like ruined him. It didn't right, no. break him. It's it just made him think differently. And I love that idea that yeah. he wraps it up with it. Like we are all energy, right? And you do you leave something behind? I, I find it interesting, though, that, you know, like skeptical, but also not approaching it from a skeptical scientific place necessarily. Right. Where, you know, like uh, ener like an energy being recycled in a place that you haven't been in years mm -hmm. all like isn't scientifically explained any more than a ghost is. Sure. So like what, whatever it is, yeah. energy, it's all just something extra if it's real, something we don't know yet, which is exciting to me. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought it – okay, when you were telling your – first story there mm -hmm. were a few elements that actually made me think about my second story so i'm excited yeah just um without giving anything away just some specific things yeah. that you said about feeling safe oh, and yeah. like maybe not now yeah. like, i was like oh, okay um and so Be before you get into it can i say vice frauen one time like in a german way because i've been wanting to the whole show but i didn't want to make it weird earlier okay go ahead vice frauen do you think that's what they sound like mm -hmm. have you been to germany everyone talks uh no one talks quietly there vice frauen <laughs> Haven't been Soundcraft and Vice Frauen. They always yell. I know that for a fact. I watched the documentary. <laughs> I love how amped you are right now. You <laughs> no, are bouncing. I don't know why I did it loudly. I know they don't talk that way. Okay. Just making sure. Okay. I, I had the best almond croissant of my life in Munich. Anytime someone says Munich, I'm like, oh, that almond croissant was so good. Just like those. <laughs> what, what a what I a non-traditional non association. I know. And I, lo I love that it's not stereotypical, though. I know. Because it's like, I'm like so oh, what, it wasn't a good. bratwurst? Huh. Yeah. I thought all the I thought all the Ada where there was sauerkraut and bratwursts. And don't forget the Spetzel. <laughs> the Spetzel. <laughs> oh, okay. So you took us to Seattle. Yeah. And now I'm going to take us to Montana. Okay. Our other neighbors. Mm -hmm. I love Montana. It's so beautiful. It, is. it it really is. You know, for all the time that you spent growing up in Riggins, like kind of out in like countryside mm -hmm. or mountains climbing, like did you ever feel anything climbing the mountains? I mean, it wasn't really like wooded, so it wasn't like you were like deep forest. <laughs> I mean. If I felt anything, I wouldn't trust it because if you think I'm crazy now, I was crazier as a kid. <laughs> and so, like, if I felt like, yeah, sure, I felt stuff, but I also legitimately thought I was going to discover a lost American Indian tribe oh. that, that no one had somehow found, even though it was in the 1980s. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. Like, But I mean, like, so yeah, like, I thought all kinds of crazy shit. So I probably th thought I felt something. That's so sweet. You kill me. All right. Well, here we go. Greetings to the queen of the spook and the king of the suck. From your loyal and complete creep, I love the show and hope this scares the shit out of you, especially Dan. Oh, okay. To start off, I am not, nor have I ever been religious, nor have I ever believed in ghosts or anything beyond. I have always been a staunch believer that everything can be explained, no matter how ridiculous the possibilities may seem. Mm -hmm. I, still, I still subscribe to this, mostly. I never could explain what I heard and saw in the woods surrounding my childhood home on this one particular day. I was born and raised in rural northwestern Montana, about 50 miles from the Canadian border. 
My parents owned approximately 60 acres of land, and we lived off the grid on this homesteader property, practically in the mountains. We had cows, pigs, goats, all the usual suspects. We had no electricity until I was 15. Wow. More importantly, most of our property was semi-dense woods. However, most of the cattle stayed out of the back 20 acres, where it was all of the thicker woods and where you would find rocky crags. Ever since I was little, my dad and I would go on what he called nature walks, Mm -hmm. meaning when the moon was bright enough, we'd go walk around at night in the woods. The woods are so beautiful under a full moon. By the time I was old enough to take these walks on my own, I did, as I found them to be comforting. I always felt like I belonged there, like I was a part of nature instead of just an invader. We occasionally would see a bear, but never any grizzlies or anything that wasn't ten times more afraid of you than you were of it. Nevertheless, I would bring my dog along. If there was a bear around, he would bark or growl, and then we would head back to the house just to be safe. The last piece of this puzzle. We had a bunch of stray cats whom we fed on a regular basis. We probably had six or seven of them show up for mealtimes on any given day. We had named them all, even if they were just strays. We were attached to them. Recently, though, less and less were showing up, and it was obvious there were less. Only two or three were coming on a regular basis for food. We had thought that they might have been getting shot, as this is not uncommon where I grew up. Mm. Anyone else who lived near enough to even be considered a neighbor was usually a recluse, and I wouldn't be surprised if they shot the cats. Now, let's dive into this night. I was 16 at the time of this incident. It was before the full moon, but the moon was shown bright enough for me to see without a flashlight, and so I set out for a nature walk. My dog was with me at my side as we drifted through the woods, enjoying the warmth of the summer night, the pretty pines looking majestic in the moonlight. Hmm. I remember listening as the wind rustled the tree branches and the sounds of woodland creatures still awake this evening filled the air. The glorious thing about living 10 plus miles from another soul is that about a half a mile into the woods, you'd believe you're the only human to have ever set foot there. For me, this always felt Mm -hmm. amazing. I knew that if I respected the force, it would also respect me. I always felt safe out there. Sure, sometimes I was worried about bears or coyotes, but I never was actually afraid. My dog and I were approaching a small split in the rocks. I like to walk here in between the rocky outcroppings. There was a narrow path, just big enough to walk on, and there was a creek running through it as well. Near the end of the path, there were a few small caves and then a slightly larger cave. It was tall, but too thin of a split in the rocks for me to fit through. I had debated taking some gunpowder and rigging something up to blow it out so I could get in there and see just how deep the cave was, but I hadn't gotten around to it yet. We were making our way down the path when something changed. Like what you would call bad energy, and I mean like real, real bad. And then I heard it. It sounded like a woman laughing, a light feminine chuckle that was carried by the wind surrounding me. The forest had gone silent. That might not seem like a big detail, but the woods are never actually silent. There's always a squirrel chattering, leaves Mm -hmm. rustling, something. But now it was actually silent. My dog cowered and then he backed up, tail between his legs, ears flat against his head. This dog is no scaredy cat. He's a 60-pound pit bull who I've seen go toe-to-toe with a mama black bear as if she were a 7-pound Pomeranian. The air was suddenly freezing, like see your breath freezing. What had happened to the warm summer breeze? But that laughing, that was the worst thing I had ever heard. Unlike Lindsay, my fight-or-flight response is to fight. (laughs) Adrenaline filled me, and I kept walking forward as my dog ran alongside me. 
I kept walking to find out what that laughing belonged to. I do have a penchant for being stupid, and at the end of the little path, there was a slightly more open area. This area is kind of shaped like a spoon, if you will. The path is the handle, a rocky and thin path that then opens up to an outcropping of trees. I walked towards this opening at the mouth of the spoon, ignoring my body's screams for me to leave. My heart was thumping in my chest. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. When I made it to the opening, all of the grass was dead. It was July. There was no reason for the grass here to be dead. But what was so peculiar about it is that the grass was dead in in an approximately 10-foot wide area only. I saw some lumps in the grass. They looked like they could have been animals or maybe just logs. I don't know. My eyes could have been playing tricks on me. I had tried to convince myself it was all nothing. I didn't know... Sorry. Oh, no. I didn't know it was what it was, nor did I care. I got the fuck out of there. I felt so much like something was watching me that I was positive I could feel it touching me. I ran the two miles back to my house without ever stopping. (laughs) The next day, in the light of the day, I went back to investigate. When I came to the clearing in the woods, the grass was as it was last night, completely dead. And the logs I thought I had seen the night before, well they were cats four of the strays that i hadn't seen in a while laid out dead on in the dead grass the thing that really stood out to me was that all four cats appeared to be painfully emaciated i couldn't make sense of this since i had seen these same cats eating dinner at my house within the last week i was expecting to hear that creepy laugh as i stood there surveying this odd scene before me just thinking about that laugh now haunts me the sound was like no forest animal i'd ever heard it was distinctly not animal owls coyotes deer even the wind all make weird noises but that laugh was altogether too real i have never felt terror like that in my life and i still get uneasy going near that path i had never been afraid of the woods prior to that night and most of the time i'm still not afraid but holy fuck that night really got to me i'm still the most skeptical skeptic but that experience made me believe just maybe a little bit that some things truly can't be explained Marissa. Marissa. Yeah, that is creepy. That like that four of them would just be laying there and then the dead grass. And there is something weird. I mean, now I'm like remembering like more like, you know, just wandering around in the woods as a kid a bunch. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know where the feelings come from. It's Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, they're just hard to explain. But like when you're walking out, like – I, I just remember like walking out, like no trails or anything, just like walking by myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have a little twenty-two rifle or something, so I feel safer or whatever. But I'm like walking around in the woods, and then you just like reach an Ugh. area where just like some little area, you're like uh, uh-uh. like your body's like don't go there. Yeah. Or like there's something weird there, and there was a place like kind of like in, in Riggins actually, but it was like on this bend where it's like yeah, uh, it's actually where like the little ditch like dumps out into the Salmon River there. Yeah. And it's like uh, you can't build there. It's like uh, there's like one part of town and then the highway still bends past it, but it's like a big drop. So it's kind of like a little wildernessy area just partially in town. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, just it always just had a weird energy. Mm. Me and like Kyra Wilson would go down there sometimes and like, play, but it always fell off. Is it like always. down past your grandparents, like at that end? It's uh, on the north end of town. Yeah, towards yeah. Grangeville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah by okay. the river, by the oh, river, river oh. look, whatever it's called, a hotel. There's yes, that little over there. I was thinking. In the bottom of that. I was thinking the other end of town. Yeah. Like past the coffee shop. Towards, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 I don't know why. But, but I, I just remember as a kid, like always being like, it's something's different to here. Yeah. Like it just fell off. Well, and you never know what it could be. There could have been an accident at some point where someone died there. It could just be your imagination. Yeah, exactly. You know, it. Yeah, that story. On, honestly, uh, Marissa sent that story in 
uh, wow, a couple months into us starting the podcast. Oh, okay. And I had read it before, and it hadn't resonated with me the way that it did when I read it yesterday. And maybe I had mm-hmm. read it too quickly yeah, it previously. Yeah. Um, or you might have been tired. I mean, there's so many factors. Oh, and and also like maybe I hadn't really thought about the woods that way. And now we've had so many stories. Mm-hmm. With, do you remember that? Um, husband i think it was a husband wife duo he like had always gone hiking and whatnot when he was a kid and he would go back home and he would go out into the woods and explore and he he heard his wife calling his name when he was out in the woods yes and then he got back home and his wife had never been out in the woods right it's like i think that sometimes these stories i don't listen Every story that we get, I never delete an email, anything, yeah. because sometimes a story just doesn't hit you, and yeah. then you revisit it later, mm-hmm. and I like it hit me so fucking hard where I was like, that is creepy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good one. That's so a thanks. good one. And, and I th- thanks, Marissa. Yeah, we heard back from Marissa so that we could put it in the book for next year, <gasps> cool. and I'm, thank God you like, I appreciate so much that you're still here. Right. Thanks That's, for sticking with us. Yeah, it's so great. Oh, man. Good one. I, I really like today's episode. Yeah. I, I thought they were all like... Creepy. I really am worried about our friend in Tacoma. Louisa. Yeah. I just, are, are you sure that that's her real name? I mean, uh, I mean, she gave her picture for the article. It was yeah. mentioned many times. I, I find a few things that just kind of referred to that. Yeah. Uh, in, in interview, investigation, you know, what have you. I wonder if after that Atlantic article, so. if she could have changed it since I don't know. I well, don't know. I just wondered if she began to be harassed by people. And mm, because I, I think that. There wasn't a lot of information on the web, so I don't think it ever, like, that story never went close to going, like, viral. Like, the primary source by far for that story was that one interview. Yeah. And actually, I didn't find anything else on the web that had details that 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 article didn't already have. I'm just so stressed out for her. Yeah, yeah. Man. Ugh. Mm. Okay. Ooh, well, God, man. Um, well, I quick, got chills in my ears. <laughs> quick thank you, everyone, for listening, for keeping us up on the charts with your ratings and reviews. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it recently, but they keep coming in, and we're so thankful. Uh, you know, 2020 has been a, a good year for growth for Scared to Death, yeah. and it, we know it's because of you guys talking about it. Yeah. Uh, you creeps and peepers, you gals, uh, re- reviewing and rating, and thank you very much. Yeah. And, and thanks also to our Patreon supporters mm-hmm. now. Uh, can I do my Annabelle shout-outs first? You sure can. Uh, Philip McGeekin. I think McEachin, perhaps, uh, Joseph Valise, uh, Anna Shea Styles, Bradley Burns, Andrew Cartwright, Travis Lang, Catherine Sprysensky, Michael Nishki, Brandy Spurgeon, and Tamaki. Dang it. I was really hoping to get you with a few of those. I, mean, I don't know if those are right, but they, I, feel, I feel like my... They sounded nice. <laughs> they sound... I, they, they, I feel like my odds were good. Okay. Uh, okay. All of my Annabelle shout outs go to Beefsteak, which is like <laughs> actually the name he loves to use. Uh. Sophia T, Jason Griggs, Danielle Cormier, Anthony Caffrey, Christina Peters, Brian and Kylie, Victoria Reagan, Lonnie Hall, and Candace Madden. Lonnie Hall, when she joined Patreon, I immediately mm-hmm. messaged her. I was convinced that she was um, <laughs> a um, nearly seven foot tall African American man that I knew. I was like, oh my God, Lonnie, is that you? And then <laughs> she messaged me back and was like, like nope. nope. It was hysterical. <laughs> she was a good sport about it. And I also have a few spoopy shout outs, okay. Dan. Sending some love, just friends, to Kristen from Josh. Happy birthday and happy anniversary to Ryan from Madeline. Happy birthday to AJ, a.k.a. Duty, from your dad, Alex. Happy birthday to Dylan from Callan. And a very happy, very creepy 13th birthday to Chloe from your family, Isis, Kerwin, Rosie, and Vianney. Aw, that's very sweet. uh, Hysterical. 
Her family really loves her. Mm -hmm. They bombed my inbox. Oh, cool. Like, relentlessly, all of them. I was like, that's "That's so cute. Do not. (laughs) Well, now you've opened that door. No. Good luck. This was a one and done. If you (laughs) you bomb me, I'm not giving it to you. Uh, That is all for today for uh, Scared to Death. Uh, If you want more Bad Magic Productions content, we also have Is We Dumb. What's that about? Is We Dumb is me and our producer, Joe Paisley, getting real crazy with just uh, dumb stuff on the internet, dumb things that we do, and very no no holds barred comedy. If you're easily is, offended with like, raw comedy, stay away. <laughs> right. Because you may not be able to listen to this show again. Right. Because we really let it rip. Yeah, uh, I listen to you guys record it <laughs> and it is hysterical. It's fun. And the, the best thing is that I hear genuine laughter coming from both yeah. of you. I mean, you yeah. guys are like in here really cracking up. It's party time. It's recess time when we record. I like it. Uh, and, then, and then Time Suck also, the one I do that just deep dives on true crime, cults, you know, more. But, you know, uh, historical things dark ages is this week it was the truck stop killer last week but time sucks mondays is we dumb is wednesdays of course scared to death comes out late tuesday night uh and thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to us here at my story at scared to death podcast.com so many good ones Lindsay reads so many good ones Uh, you can email us for everything else at info at scared to death podcast.com uh, thanks to Logan Keith on social media and bad ma- doing the badmagicmerch.com to design and Liz Hernandez now. Uh, also, you can email store at badmagicproductions.com for any customer service related to merch. Thanks to Sophie Evans for help with story curation. She just does such a good job. Uh, Joe Paisley for producing, uh, directing this week. Zach Cohen for custom soundbag creation. And Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Uh, also, thank you again to Spotify. Uh, appreciate all the times we've been placed on the Spooky Stories playlist and found so many creeps and peepers. Listen to us on Spotify. <laughs> uh, subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. And also, Thank you to uh, Pandora. Haven't done that in a while. We've gotten so much promotion on Mm -hmm. Pandora that we're one of their top podcasts. So we've been very lucky on the streaming platforms uh, for getting their support. Yeah, so thanks, guys. Wherever you listen, however you're doing it, keep it up. We really appreciate it. But Uh, yeah, Spotify has been a huge help to mm -hmm. us this year. And Pandora has been a huge help. For many years. For many years has been uh, a huge supporter and a big fan of everything Mm -hmm. Dan does. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content at Scared to Death Podcast, where you can also see the pictures from today's show and all the shows. Uh, We have a private Facebook group, Creep Group. (laughs) I I was going to the next word. Uh, Creeps and Peepers uh, is the private Facebook group with over 10,000 horror-loving members. Thanks to Liz Hernandez, Hernandez also for moderating that. And if you don't want to hear more ads, you want more uh, you know, content, monthly bonus episodes, a, a movie review club, and more. Merch discount. Merch discount, exclusive merch. Monday, Monday uh, posts from me. Mm-hmm. We, we get into some cool topics in Patreon. That's talk, awesome. Like some more behind the scenes kind mm-hmm, of stuff, more mm-hmm. about our lives. You can check out our Patreon and you get, the, uh, get all this stuff. All the things. And, and you know, a catalog, uh, the entire catalog ad-free. So lots of stuff. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you liked today's show. Uh, Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? 
stir up a Tito's Dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 